Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured Premier League matches number 27 and 28 against Fulham and Crystal Palace, as well as the UEFA Europa round of 16 against Sporting CP. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove. Are you? How are you back from from Disney World? Uh, not not as uh, rested as I might be from other varieties of vacation, but it was fun. I had a great time. Thank you. And uh, how was your week off from recording? <laughs> um, well, I was I, I was actually on spring break, so it was uh, ah. it was very spring breakish. I spent most of the last few days just watching copious amounts of basketball and with some Arsenal mixed in, of course, as as needed. But yeah. <laughs> but but we'll talk more about that. We don't have to talk about the basketball. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's that's not quite as far outside as I may have maybe planned on talking about a little bit in the beginning of this episode. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get there. So so first, uh, we were talking about uh, in our last episode that we recorded, which for listeners will be two episodes ago because we had a special about the Super League that came out last week, which we recorded a couple months ago, but. In the last episode we recorded, we were talking about how Ben White scored a goal, and they had said in the broadcast, I thought, that it was his first Premier League goal, which, looking at his stats, does appear to actually be the case. This was his first goal in the Premier League. So, congratulations to him. That's uh, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I was a defender, so it makes sense he wouldn't have done it a lot, but... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, there will be a link in the show notes for anyone who wants to read all of his stats in more detail. Um, also, I wanted to share, uh, last week we had a link to The Athletic in our show notes, which is a source it seems you are uh, fond of sharing, Keith, and I wanted to pass along to any of our readers using Apple devices, using the Safari web browser to read The Athletic. Uh, the Athletic is behind a paywall, but if you don't subscribe, you can use reader mode, and for me at least, uh, when I tried it last week, reader mode appeared to load the full text of the article uh, regardless of subscription status so that's a way around it you know for for random things here or there obviously if you really enjoy it and you're reading a lot of it then you know please subscribe help support them like i, I hope that our listeners will someday be supporting us <laughs> but, i was gonna say i can't um, i can't truly countenance not paying for it altogether but uh, but yes as a certainly i understand it can be frustrating yeah. but they are they are they are an excellent source for a lot of things uh, sports in general, but soccer especially, and they have some some truly gr truly great Arsenal content. Yeah, it seems like it. I've definitely enjoyed what you've shared so far. So so keep them coming. Um, closing out the uh, Martinelli jersey saga for me, um, I did actually get my refund for what I still am pretty sure was a counterfeit jersey. Um, that all went through fine, so I was out the shipping cost, which was minimal, to send it back. And other than that, everything turned out okay with, with that one. And I am currently sitting here wearing my larger-sized, uh, non-authentic, just regular uh, shirt for them. And it fits, and I'm happy it was from a real place. It is not counterfeit, and I'm planning on keeping this one. So, yay, happy ending. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are, we're, we're, there's video on this one, which is unusual for us. At least we can see each other, and I must say, you look, you look dashing in the red and white. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah, um, don't don't get your hopes up, listeners. Uh, we are not sharing the video, but we are trying out a new tool for recording, which lets us see each other. So hopefully our rapport is even more natural than it has been in the past. So we'll see how that goes. One question that I wanted to pose to you, I was in Disney Plus a day or two ago, and I saw something posted there which is an odd intersection between your interests and my son's interests. 
It was a an NHL replay referred to as the Big City Greens Classic. Um, to say that my son is obsessed with Big City Greens would be a vast understatement. It is like practically the only thing that he watches besides YouTube. He's like constantly watching it every day. He's watched there's I don't know three or four seasons of it. He's watched each of them a few times through. Um, he is a huge fan of that show. What is that? Is that something? As a less than casual NHL fan, but someone who's interested in engendering interest in sports, I should show my son. Is it an animated NHL special? Is it an actual NHL match? What should I expect from that? Um, so the short answer, well, the short answer is here's roughly what I know. So I was unaware of this, uh, or I had vaguely aware of it. Uh, so there's been this push always to try to figure out how to integrate different entertainment properties together. And it, actually, the NFL did this has started doing this, I want to say, in the last year or two uh, with Nickelodeon, particularly a Nickelodeon broadcast, which overlays a lot of animation and other things on top of the, the game broadcast. I, I'm not quite sure what this is reading about it, but it seems like it's a broadcast that is mixed together. Like, it seems like there's a lot of computer animation. Uh, it, it, it's an actual NHL game, and they're pulling their stuff from an actual live ongoing game. Um, but sort of integrating uh, the characters and others from this from this show, Big City Greens. I, I think part of the idea is to try and draw kids in, certainly a little with, earlier, and you know, draw them in with something that interests them. Um, try to present something that's a little more kid friendly than, say, your more traditional sports broadcast, which is going to be very much targeting young adults or even older adults. I mean, the commercials are, are a pretty clear example of that. Um, if you think about the kind of th the ads that run during most sporting events, uh, right? So, uh, but I think something that's a little more kid friendly and accessible to kids, I think, is what they're going for. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's uh. Eh, so maybe we'll seek it out. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. I mean, also, I'm looking, and it's between the Rangers and Capitals, who two teams I have very negative feelings towards. So I'm definitely not going to watch it. But who knows? Maybe he'll enjoy it. So, so yeah, that's uh, that's cool. That's something that I might uh, seek out with him. Uh, meanwhile, you had some interesting news. I was pleased to hear what, what's going on with Arsenal in the U.S. Uh, yeah. So the now none of this is official, but it is all sources say and and that sort of thing. But uh, it appears that Arsenal is set to be the opposing team for this summer's MLS All Star Game. Uh, the All Star Game is a very American thing. And what they've done for the last oh, right, about decade now at this point is they'll have the MLS All-Star team play an exhibition against uh, some major European teams. So Manchester United has come, I think Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Atletico. Uh, Arsenal came, I want to say, six or seven years ago. Uh, and mm. they apparently, Arsenal will be back. So that will be in Washington, D.C. Uh, this summer. Uh, for that game, which I believe is July 19th is the scheduled date for that. Again, uh, that presumably will be announced. But what that probably means is that Arsenal will probably be coming to the U.S. for a sum overall summer tour, which means there might be a couple of other games uh, that they play in the U.S. Um, hmm. before or after that. I'd be curious to see what they do. Uh, they have been to L.A. before. Uh, their their owner uh, the owner Stan Kroenke owns uh, the L.A. Rams as well as the SoFi Stadium, which is the the NFL stadium in in, in Los Angeles. He also owns the oh, Colorado Rapids, that. so it wouldn't surprise me if they play wow. a game in in Denver as well. So we'll see. That'll be that'll be interesting to see what they end up hmm. doing with that. But uh, 
Well, that's interesting. That reminds me of something I noticed. I was just watching the replay. We're recording on Monday, March 20th right now. Um, I noticed when I was watching the Crystal Palace replay today that there were some sideboard ads for Arsenal. What was it? It was Arsenal footballs training or something um and it was listing a bunch of cities in the u.s um i hmm. did not look it up because i've learned my lesson about typing arsenal into a, a web browser while i'm watching a time-shifted replay i don't do that anymore and i f didn't have a chance to do it uh afterwards but uh, yeah they mentioned new york and atlanta and some other uh cities in the u.s where there's some kind of arsenal training activity going on i don't know if it's like expanding Arsenal Academy further across the world or something. I don't know what that is, but we'll have to follow up in the future. Uh, it's probably, yeah, it looks like it's some camp development camps they're going to have for kids, um, hmm. you know, probably in some major cities. I, you know, they're depending on, I know your son is sort of involved a little bit as a, as a youth player. Um, it's the kind of thing you'll start to see if he gets more interested in the sport, these opportunities for these very summer camps, a lot of colleges mm -hmm. will run them. So I'm sure there's something for you, you know, near Marist or a place like that. And it could very well be that Arsenal is involved in that. I'm sure there will be a, I'm sure there will be a bit yeah. of a fee involved as well, uh, for Probably. that. But, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. Uh, but I, I mean, I have to say, I don't pay much attention to the the sideboard ads, and uh, I can't help it. Yeah. No, I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Um, I mean, although no, looking, yeah, I actually just I pulled something up. Yeah, it does look like they're in. Uh, yeah, they're going to be all. Oh, it's all in the Northeast. So I see New York City, uh, Lakeville, and Windsor, Connecticut, and Princeton, New Jersey. So, um, hmm. and they're in they're in uh, June and July. So, oh, okay. Yeah, I think uh, my son's a little too young for that, being a kindergarten well, yeah. going into first grade this summer, but yeah. It says ages 7 to 14, so. Okay, so yeah, he's, he's a year young at this point, yeah. just turned 6, so. Yeah, maybe next year, that'll be cool. If he's interested, you know, he, he uh, likes yeah, soccer, I mean, he's not like super uh, into it, but. Yeah, and, and, and I will say, this is the kind of thing that, is, if he's if he's really into it and wants to keep developing, I, what it'll be, it looks like, is there will be a few coaches from... The club, nobody, probably nobody you've heard of. You know, Arteta's not showing up. Right. He, has, he has he has other things to do. But it'll be some youth co youth coaches. <laughs> um, may, they, you know, who right. knows? Maybe they get a player, especially if they're going to be in the U.S. Apparently, they might get a player to pop in and and you know say hi to the kids and and do some fun things mm -hmm. with them. But you know, it'll be a couple of days. Uh, it looks like about a week. Um, you know, it's yeah. about it's about six hundred dollars. So you know. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't sound too bad for a week of like upscale camp. Uh, that, yeah, that no, I mean, like for, yeah, for with other things that I've seen. Yeah. So cool. All right. So uh, I think we should since we have four matches to cover over the last two weeks, we have the two Premier League matches and then the two legs of the round of 16. Uh, why don't we bury the Europa League like... <laughs> Like Arsenal has, get it behind us, and then we'll talk about the Premier League as it as it leans into the future. <laughs> I got I got to be honest. I will talk about the games in particularly. I'm a bit torn about this one, honestly. I, I, the FA Cup's great. But we've won it a few bunch of times. The League Cup, who cares? Man, the Europa League feels like a tournament we should win. You know? Yeah. Um. Yeah. We've been kind of in this 
exile. I mean, when I started watching in, in, in 2006, we were in the Champions League. We'd been in the Champions League for almost a decade. We were in the Champions League for another decade after that. We had, we had basically 20 straight mm. years of only in the Champions League. And there's been sort wow. of the sense that, like, we don't – I don't want to say the Europa League is beneath us. But it's just kind of, it's not where we're supposed to be. Right. And so it's this, it's been kind of this weird exile almost to be in the Europa League. And yet we've, we've never won it. Um, and, and there's another bit, and this has sort of been the talk a little bit. It's for a club of Arsenal stature, we have a very poor record in Europe. We have two European yeah. trophies. Both of them are pretty minor. And you look at some of our, con- our contemporary, I mean, our, our, Real comparative clubs, Liverpool and Manchester United, they've both won the Champions League multiple times. Freaking Chelsea's won it twice. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, we've won two minor European trophies, and that's it's it's just it's just odd, you know. Um, but as we'll talk about, full credit to Sporting, they're a, they're no joke of a team. They're very, they're a solid team. I thought right. particularly in the second leg, they played really well, uh, especially their keeper. But overall, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, it's frustrating, but it really focuses the last part of the season. We have, I think, 12, 10 games left, uh, 10 cup finals. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they were talking about that during the Crystal Palace match. I, I think, to me, my my thoughts overall in summary form for the Europa League uh, round of 16 against uh, Sporting CP... Um, overall, I feel like, especially by the end of the second leg, I was feeling that this is not what Arteta cares about for this season. (laughs) If he really cared about that, he would have put the best players in from the beginning of that match and he'd be in it to win it. He didn't. He, He put, you know, a similar lineup to like what we'd seen in the group stage of the Europa competition. And he brought in the heavy hitters toward the end to try and try and clinch victory and it didn't work out. One of our starters ended up <laughs> messing it up for us in the penalty shootout, which was supremely disappointing for me as, as a, as an, especially as a particular fan of Martinelli. But um, he, he, I think that he decided that this is the year of the premier league for us and getting into a champions league that way. And, you know, we, that's how he's treating it. That's what it seemed like. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the, you know, certainly in terms of the Champions League. I mean, yes, we talked about that's the goal. We haven't officially clinched everything. I we're we're gonna finish it. We're going we're gonna be in the Champions League next year. That's that's gonna It'd happen. Be highly unlikely. Yeah, if, uh, if it would it would require a a confluence of horrendous circumstances for us not to be in the Champions League. <laughs> I'm not. I, yeah. Don't even put that out of your mind. Um, yeah, I thought overall the lineup wasn't. It was certainly a second a second choice lineup in certain places, but I mean we started with you know our two first choice center backs, um, you know we we started with uh, you know Gabriel Jesus got the start. I mean we 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 played this game as if we were. I, I thought we played this game to win it. You have to rotate a little bit, especially at this point in the season. People are tired. Um, and you're starting to just starting to run out. I frankly, the big surprise to me was Ramsdale getting the starting goal instead of Matt Turner. I mean, um, you know, that to well, me said Arteta really true. was going for yep. it. Yeah, but yeah, no, that's true. It, that yeah, but you saw. I mean, we could talk about our performance overall. We were substantially better 
late in the second half and into extra time when Bukayo Saka, Thomas Party, and Martin Odegaard came on. I, we were bet, we were a right. lot they better. They brought the pressure, yeah. Because, they, yeah. you know, they're much better players. And they're and that's not a, a shine to anyone else. They're the, they're probably three of the best, most important players on the team based on what they do and their their skill level. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, but to their credit, Sporting was Sporting was solid. I, we were a little ragged. We looked a little, we did look a little unsure of ourselves. We looked that way the whole tournament, frankly. I mean, you could see that the one thing the Europa League really I think shows us this year is our depth, or rather, our we don't quite have that same level of depth. We have good depth. I think we have primarily quality depth, but to run those two simultaneous competitions and and it is only going to get tougher with the Champions League. There's mm-hmm. going to have to be some money spent on the summer, sort of building that bench up, and it'll be very curious right. to see what they end up doing there. And I, and I think you saw that when we when we got to the Europa League or we got in the cups and we're playing a second choice lineup, things don't work quite as well as as they did before, and that's right. just. Yeah, no, agreed. And I, I do think that that could, when I say that he wanted to focus on Premier League, it wasn't just like saving his best players for the weekend match. It's also getting out of the second match to play every week for the next, you know, few months until mm-hmm. the season's over. Um, that's probably part of it too, I would imagine, just knowing that he can play everyone who he wants to play every match until we win the league, you know? Yeah. Again, that's this. They said the, the, that's the line is they're all cup finals. You treat all of them as, as must wins from here on out. Um, right. And yeah, because there is no other game. You can, you can do it that way. Right. So no, just, uh, some really high level, uh, overviews of the, um, of the two matches, um, first of all, uh, continuing the stanchion report, um, sporting has two in number and they are half white, half green divided vertically. So kind of a callback to their jerseys. So they are team matching for, for the stanchions. Um, I was happy to see that we have been continuing to convert corner kicks into goals, you know, regularly now that's something I can get used to. I'm, I'm happy with that, that development. We've, we've gotten our mojo back in the corner kicks. Um, and uh, Xhaka. Xhaka has scored in a couple matches over the last couple weeks. Um, that's good that he's starting to produce in that way, which you don't necessarily expect him to as much as a midfielder, but it's good. Uh, Odegaard also had scored. You know, we, we everybody is really pulling their weight, and we're having a lot of people who don't score as often starting to now. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, over, but then... yeah, overall, I think, uh, yeah, we had, we had some good moments throughout, and yeah, it's nice to see some guys get get on the board like that and you hope it carries over it looked like it carried over a little bit but i think the the level of competition i mean we'll say this sporting is a pretty good team like it, we've i and mm-hmm. i think there was a sense i don't want to say from arteta or from arsenal itself but i wonder if there was a little bit of underestimating a team that was in the champions league that actually uh, played tottenham and act, actually beat them in lisbon and so for us to get a point there was actually pretty good all things considered um and again, we didn't lose yeah. to them. We were, you know, we were knocked out on penalties. Officially, the game goes down as two draws, or the the game, yeah, the games go down oh, as draws. Okay. But yes, um, so they didn't beat us. Yeah, no, um, they they were good. But then again, a team that as good as they are, and we're saying nice things about them, they're still a team we feel like we should beat. Um, mm-hmm. And we and it's and you know again, there's that sort of disappointment of 
we, we went out to a team that isn't as good as we are, you know? So mm-hmm. the, the, I feel like the one moment that we can focus on across these two matches that really was the deciding factor when it came down to it was that 62nd minute goal from damn near the half line, the midfield line. I I couldn't believe what I'd seen. And I I still can't believe that that actually happened that way. Does that happen much? It doesn't seem like it should. (laughs) It doesn't happen often. It happens every once in a while. I I think there's two things going on here. One is that in terms of Ramsdale's positioning, Arteta likes, especially when we have possession in the midfield and into the other end, he likes the keeper to play further out mm-hmm. uh, from, from the goal. So that, as they say, the keeper's off his line. He's not playing on the goal right. line. So he's going to be further further forward, which does leave you susceptible to a ball over the top. And you will occasionally see that with keepers who get caught out. Sometimes it's because they're just careless and they're not where they're supposed to be. But I think Ramsdale's where he's supposed to be, and to his credit, he does get back and very nearly gets that hand to it. He really does nearly get it. Right. The other part of it is I think you just have to give credit to the to the goal scorer. I mean, that yeah. – he, he, yeah, Pedro Gonzalez, he, if you asked him to do that again, he probably couldn't. That's a really difficult <laughs> shot to, to pull off, right. the, the, the arc and the dip that he gets on it. It is perfectly placed and – as they say, sometimes you just you just tip your cap. Sometimes you just get beat. Yeah. You just got beat on a just a really excellent play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And was, I was watching the the replay of that match with my parents, and um, I was just explaining to them too. I think part of why, like you said, it could have only happened with Ramsdale being that far off his line because most of the time, if you're within a few steps or within at least, you know, a second of travel or two of the goal, someone kicks it from that far back. You have all the time in the world to see where it's going and get there. And it's going to be an easy save. It was only because he had to rush into the goal that it was, that the opportunity was there. So, yeah. So, yeah, they took it to penalties. Actually, real right. quick, if I, if I may just, if I may just uh, get your thoughts, um, how was your first competitive penalty shootout? I know you watched a few in the world cup, but you were a Cup, neutral. Right. It doesn't really matter. How how was your first shootout right. as a fan? No, it was it was very interesting seeing like I've only seen a handful of penalty kicks period from Arsenal this season, right? There's only been two or three, I think. I remember Saka had one not too long ago. Um and yeah, so it's it's really fun when these are players who you know already that are taking the shots. That makes a big difference. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's nerve wracking. It's absolutely nerve wracking. I mean, just like knowing the keeper, knowing the shooters, it's, uh, yeah. And especially, yeah, it was, it was especially crushing when my favorite player was the one who messed up and yeah, it was, that was disappointing. Yeah, that's the that's the downside of having a favorite player. Sometimes the two <laughs> things wrong. I, they, they'll, everyone will disappoint you eventually. Uh, it's just a question of how oh, yeah. and when. And hopefully, it's just for on the field stuff like that, not for any like weird shenanigans off field. But that's that's something else altogether. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, right. But yeah, it's yeah. I mean, they are penalty shootouts are great when your team's not involved and when your team's in it, they are awful. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I hate watching a shootout with my team in it. You just want it to be over. Yeah. Well, it was interesting also how, so let me just ask you. So 
they were showing spots for five goals up on the on-screen graphics. If Martinelli had made his, it would have gone to the next five. Would that have been the next step is the next five players would have opportunities to shoot? No, at that point, it goes to, they call it sudden death shootout. It's not really sudden death, because that oh. would be one goal wins it. What it is, is then you just get, each team gets one shot. And it's, if it, if one of them makes and the other one misses, it's over. But if they both make right. or they both miss, then they just do another one. Now, here's the other fun part of the rule. Uh, the five shooters who have gone, they cannot go. You have to pick from the other six players on the field. Mm-hmm. And they will keep going until you get to the even the keepers. If, if the shootout runs long, the keepers will take shots. Oh, really? Oh, yes. And now, now oh, wow. when they when the, the shootout begins, as the manager, you give to the referee a lineup. You give them the shooting lineup. You actually rank all 11 players. Oh, okay. It's just oh, – and, and very rarely does it ever go beyond the first the – first, um, does it go beyond the first five, but you actually do have all 11 on there. If you get through all 11, then you go back to the top and start over again. But it is, you, right. And you will occasionally see in games that are getting close to penalties, especially in, turn, in tournaments like this, uh, you'll see a late substitution or two if, they can, if a team can afford it. They'll bring specialists on, guys who are, right. okay, maybe we don't want him playing in the game, but he's really good at penalties. Right. And so you'll see those guys start to come on late so that it's only the 11 players on the field at the end of extra time. Those are the ones you get to pick from. Right. Well, and in this match in particular, it wasn't even 11. It was 10 because oh, Sporting right, yeah. got a red card towards the end. So we had to boot Rob Holding off of our list. <laughs> So um, I did. I didn't actually hear anything about about that. I I, I guess oh, really? like, technically we'd have to, but yeah, that's what they the commentators. Yeah, you you were probably uh, watching with uh, background noise or something. Yeah, the the commentators were saying that yeah because they were down one player, we had to choose one player who we didn't want to participate because huh. yeah, it had to be even. So I'm trying to think, I've ever seen that circumstance. I you know I, it, it's. It's one of those I kind of black out during penalties. I just I just don't want to deal with them. In that circ- I never even think about it because I don't want I don't want to think about any of it at all. So um, yeah, well, you know, and it could also be that maybe that's the Europa League rule, and maybe Premier League has a different rule when it comes. Well, to yeah, what but well, the Premier League wouldn't have. Also. Yeah, I mean, the only time you'd have shootouts is in the FA Cup or in the League Cup in the tournaments. You wouldn't have it in the league because it's oh, that's true. Be a, it's right. an explicit tiebreaker because I mean. And there are a number of people, and I'm not. I'm sympathetic to this perspective that ideally you would keep playing until you someone eventually wins the game. That you're you're deciding the game through something that isn't really the game. On the other hand, they've played mm-hmm. 120 minutes. We have another game coming on Sunday, guys. We're done. Like let's end. Just end this. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, this was to a certain extent this was the nightmare scenario. Like if we lost. I'd rather just lost it in 90 minutes to go the extra half hour well, right, and then the yeah. penalties is just more than I, I, but, but that's, that's how it ended. And it turns out it was fine. It ended up not being that. Yep. So, I mean, and and the only turned parts out of the game, not to affect our match this weekend either. No, yeah. <laughs> I mean, really the only, the only parts of the game that were really bothersome, I mean, other than losing, which you know, being knocked out, which is bad, but the injuries, they happened in the middle in or the early part of regular, the early part of the game. So, what what are you gonna do? Like that's yeah. they those those yeah. things happen. Yep. All right. Well, 
farewell to the Europa League. Hopefully we don't see you again for a while because we'll be riding in the Champions League henceforth. So hopefully <laughs> we don't have to worry about that. But like you said, uh, new new problems with uh, with the Champions League will, will abound. So. so we met with Fulham uh, at their stadium on March 12th. That was Premier League match number 27 for us. Um we defeated them handily. It was it was a fun match to watch. Um, I felt like Fulham was completely toothless the entire first half, and in the second half, eh, they grew baby teeth. Like it was never a real <laughs> threat, but it was a little bit more interesting from them. So, yeah, I, and and this is a nice thing. And you know, Craven Cottage is the one the one stadium I've been to. It's a night. It's a small park. Uh, it can be a little intimate, kind of intimate because it's you know it's older. Um, but it's a it's a nice place to watch a game and and yeah we played we played well and you know once we got once we got the goal that's one of those it, it, you you've seen this in some of our other games the games we struggle we try to score early and we don't and it allows teams to sit back on us by getting the early goal we're really able to more assert ourselves in terms of possession in terms of pressure and that's yeah that's what you saw here with Fulham as we were able to take control of the game yeah yeah, so no, it was, it was fun. We, you know, we're. I was hearing. I think that we had one more match played than uh, Manchester City did as of our match against Crystal Palace, but we were within two goals in goal difference now. So we're actually starting to close the goal difference a little bit. I don't know how their match went this weekend, but yeah. So well, so they're they're because so we're out of all all these competitions. So it doesn't matter to us. City is still deep in every going deep in every competition. So this this weekend they didn't play in the Premier right. League because they were playing a quarterfinal mm. for the FA Cup, which they won. Um, mm. But it means mm. they're just going to have to play another game in a couple of weeks in the semifinals. So they're they're also right. in the next round of the Champions League where they they drew Bayern Munich, who might be the best team in the in the tournament um, if it's not City. Right. Um, so they they have a number of tough games. As far as I'm concerned, they can keep winning. Just keep winning games <laughs> in in other competitions. Just yep. keep adding those games up. Um, they've got the roster yep. to handle it though. They've got they've got more than enough players to to oh, handle sure. that. But but. Yeah, they can they can keep let them let them keep winning. Let them, let them win the Champions League. I really don't <laughs> care. Um. Yeah, yeah. So uh, continuing to note the celebrity Arsenal fans that we see in the stands uh, during one game or another. Uh, Mick Jagger made an appearance during this one. So <laughs> yes, it took it, it. He's definitely one of those people that he's almost too recognizable. Like he shows up on the screen, and we were like, "Is is, is that Mick Jagger?" It's not Mick Jagger. It's not Mick Jagger. And then at some point they mention they go, "Oh, it's it's Mick Jagger." I don't actually know yeah. that he's an Arsenal fan. Uh, I guess he might be. Um, he's from he's from the London area, as I recall. Um, well, yeah, and I mean, you could tell his grandson or great grandson, whoever it was with him, was wearing an Arsenal jersey. So yeah. okay, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is my no, dad planned that out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is from Dartford, which is just outside of London. Um, At some point, to, we're going yeah. to do an England geography lesson, um, and maybe take a baby step there uh, toward the end of the episode. We'll we'll see, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's going to at some point advantage me to know at least a little bit about where all these different places are. In <laughs> yes, um, but yes, the F- Fulham was great. Uh, the big story. Well, I said the, part of the big story was uh, a couple of big stories there. Uh, Leandro Trussard, who has been 
just an outstanding addition to the to the team. Uh, picked yeah. up three assists, right? Which is a pretty great day. Yeah, they showed a stat during the Crystal Palace match that he's had more assists in his last five Premier League appearances than he'd had during the prior twelve or something like that before he joined Arsenal. So uh, well, yeah, yeah he's, well, he's doing great. Yeah, well, he's playing really well. He fits in really well. Also, that's because Arsenal can score a lot more goals than Brighton does. And Brighton's a good, a <laughs> solid team, as we've talked about. But I think he's, I think he's much happier to be with Arsenal than to than sure. to be with Brighton, given our position. Uh, but yes, and and you made this comment, and it was certainly Fulham, and then certainly the Palace game, which I'm sure we'll get to in a moment. Uh, it was champagne football. It was fantastic. Yeah, so that was something the commentators said. Um, so is it is it just what you would imagine? Just like sitting back, sipping champagne, it's just fun to watch because they're po- they're pounding them into the ground. Like, is it's, that what that means? <laughs> it's 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 classy. It's elegant. It's stylish. It is. It okay. is. Yeah, the the game itself is the champagne. Right? It's just imagine this mm-hmm. the 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 classiest most expensive finest thing like it it just reeks of style and we've been playing with style <laughs> okay. um especially yeah. i mean and we'll talk about palace but for stretches of that fulham game as you pointed out fulham was pretty toothless uh they're not a bad team right but we're just like we we are we're really good <laughs> we're and we're playing so excellent <laughs> we've been playing so and we're really like especially in the league we found a bit of a groove lately we're playing really well which is it's it, yeah. they're fun to watch yeah so yeah uh, why don't we move on to the crystal palace match so this was played yesterday as we record on sunday uh, march 19th and this was a home match versus Crystal Palace, and we beat them 4-1. Uh, that one goal was just kind of an odd <laughs> situation. It's the chaos in the box after a corner kick kind of thing that, you know, I guess it just happens sometimes. But um, not indicative, I don't think, overall of Crystal Palace's performance. I mean, they they were never really threatening at all. I mean... It was, it was, it was, it was even more lopsided, I think, than the Fulham match to a degree. Yeah, it shouldn't have been necessarily. So, they clearly have good players, but yeah, well, they're uh, so so. Fulham is is it's it. We can talk about the standings a little bit because the standings are really weird uh, this season. Fulham is having a pretty solid season. Actually, they're up near the top half of the table. Uh, Palace is not. Actually, as it turns out, they fired their manager earlier in the week. Right. So, which we should point and out, their let manager. Me just ask. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, let me just ask. Their their old manager has the last name Vieira. Is he related to Fabio on our team, or that's just coincidence? N- no, that is Arsenal legend Patrick Vieira. He he oh, played with Ar- he played Vieira. with Arsenal in the the mid nineties through the early two thousands. He was the captain of the hmm. Invincibles. Uh, he he is oh, okay. he is one of the great Arsenal players, and he was hmm. fired on. He was fired on St. Patrick's Day. Right. Yeah, they, right. they okay. fired St. Patrick on St. Patrick's Day and replaced him, by the way, with an Irishman <laughs> who goes by the name Patty. So, right. <laughs> so there, there were stretches in the game, especially early on, where the Arsenal fans were singing, singing some of Patrick Vieira's old songs uh, for him, okay. sort of mocking Palace. I mean, in and... Palace is a Palace is is a mess. Apparently, I think it said they haven't won a game since the turn of the new year. 
they I think they said they've only scored something like five goals since coming back from the World Cup. Like there, hmm. they they have been rough for a while. And I mean that's the yeah. kind of stretch that gets a manager fired. Like nobody was really surprised that they fired him. I mean, here here's a wild stat for you. Crystal Palace currently sits in twelfth in the league. They have twenty seven points. Southampton is in twentieth. They're dead last. They have twenty three. There are four points that oh, separates twelfth wow. from twentieth. It is a massive relegation fight. That is so weird to look at. But then right. you flip it the other way. Um, Aston Villa has thirty eight points. They're in eleventh. Manchester United has fifty points. They're in third. Now that's that's twelve points. That's a pretty big gap. But it's only nine points between Villa in eleventh and Newcastle in fifth. So. That's hmm. that's not crazy to think about in terms of European qualification. I mean, really, Liverpool right. in sixth has 42, down to Villa in 11th with 38. Liverpool sitting in the Europa Conference League spot right now. So, I mean, yeah. Brighton, Brighton, Brentford, Fulham, Chelsea, Aston Villa, Liverpool are all very much in that conversation for that spot. What it means, you know, we've sort of talked about looking ahead at, at games we have remaining and you you always want the games against the teams that not at the bottom who are fighting for rele- fighting to get out of relegation. You want the teams kind of in the middle, the ones that are like, eh, we're not going to Europe, but we're not getting relegated. Who cares? There's nobody there. That that middle is just gone. <laughs> it's really kind of fascinating to see. Hmm. Um, I slipped out of my chair there. Uh, it, 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 it's really kind of fascinating to see, and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in terms of how the how teams approach us and what they're you know not just how do we play Arsenal, but also how do we make sure we get a result so that we don't get relegated or that we need a result to well, stay in yeah. the spot for Europe. So that's going to be, because we have, we do not, we have some, some dicey games left still. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, one, one particular thing, uh, that I, that I chuckled about a little bit is, uh, in the 16th minute, um, Ramsdale made a great save. They had, uh, Crystal Palace had a breakaway. It was a one V one situation and Ramsdale just pounced on the guy. And uh, like we were talking about some episodes ago, uh, like someone was telling me when I was playing keeper, just pretend you're a flashlight and just make the shadow bigger. And that's what Ramsdale did. And he got the ball and saved that opportunity. So, and that was, that was, uh, that was and, fun to see. And early in the game too, when it was like I don't I don't remember if we had scored at that point or. Uh, yeah, um, that was that was after. Oh no no no! Never mind. Um, I was misreading my note. No, that was before. Yeah, that was before any goals had been scored yet. Yeah, you know that's and that's so, yeah, the that kind of game where. Yeah, that's the kind of game where you give a team like that confidence, a bad team like that confidence. It makes us a little tight, and uh, you know that can be. That could be a little tough, but at the same time, we didn't. Uh, he made the save, and we were able to bounce back. And I mean, really, some of those stretches in the first half were just watching Saka and Odegaard toy with the Palace defenders was 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 a lot of fun. <laughs> like I almost, we almost, yeah. we like we're ooing and aahing passes, and some of the some of the minu- moves they're making, the two of them in particular, just just like just a complete level of class. Outside, yeah, no, outside some, of what they have, it's just just some amazing just passes. Like there were some passes that were just like loops across the entire breadth of the field, and some that were just like straight bullets across the entire width of the field. Yeah, there, there's some really, like you said, some classy gameplay going on. 
I mean, really, yeah. it, 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 you could almost tell the game was over. The question wasn't, were we going to score? It was just, when? When was that goal going to come? We just kept putting dangerous balls in and in and in. And would Ramsdale be able to keep his clean sheet? That's that's the other part of it, too. Yeah. Well, I I mean, yes, obviously, from, from that regard, and it turns out he didn't, which I know was going right. to bother him, and uh, but <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, they were they were excellent. I mean, you know, it's it, it is it, everyone talks about the pressure that we're under and they should. We're going to be under a lot of pressure, but it's also about our ability to put pressure on City to keep up with us because they they're going to look it up. And, you know, they they just came off the last week. They won two games, six and nil. They beat Dortmund in the Champions League, which is a pretty impressive performance. Yeah. Uh, they beat them six nil. And uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. They beat them seven nil against, and not Dortmund, it was uh, RB Leipzig, but still took a German, t- a good German team, and just battered okay. them. And then they followed it up, I think, it was six nil in the cup against Burnley, who's not very good, but still, you know, to win like that, um, you know, uh, that is that a statement of intent from them? Maybe, but then again, we we got our chance and we took it, and we we said that oh, if if that's the marker, okay. You're now still behind us. Right. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. So uh, so I've got some small questions accumulated over these matches uh, that occurred to me. So one of them, toward the beginning of the first leg against Sporting, one of the commentators referred to their green and white stripes and then corrected himself and said, oh, I, I mean uh, hoops, okay. which is owing to the horizontal nature of sporting stripes, which I did find cartoonish. They they really looked like uh, soccer elves. Like it was, uh, it's kind of especially the socks. I think the jerseys didn't really bother me, but like the the really tight hoops on the socks was just kind of kind of cartoony. But um, calling those hoops is that something you've heard before? Is that a common thing? Is that a British thing? Is that a, a soccer thing? Is that a sports thing that I just don't know about? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a Britishism. Um, and it's mostly as, as you sort of point out, the commentator corrected himself. Stripes means vertical, like a referee stripes. Right. Uh, whereas right. hoops references the, they're being horizontal. It's actually interesting. There's a, uh, about 10 or so years ago, the U S national team came out with, with a hoop Jersey, red and white, uh, hoops. And there is a pretty vocal contingent of U.S. national teams fans, including myself, who think that should be our look. Because nobody oh, yeah. well, internationally, nobody else wears hoops. Um, there are some uncommon. clubs. Sport, sporting does. Uh, Celtic is another one, another famous club that wears hoops. There's a lot of hoops uh, that you'll see at the club level. But, I mean, there's so many clubs. There's all sorts of designs, the different sleeves, the uh, the middle stripe uh, is famous for Ajax. Um this mm-hmm. is all kinds of things, solid colors, all sorts of stuff. Um, uh, so I can see it making sense for the U.S. jerseys because of the you know the stars and stripes, the stripes which are horizontal, but we still call right. It mimics it mimics the flag. flag. <laughs> I, yeah, it's it's one of those. It's in some respects, there's only so much you can do with a with a soccer jersey because it's it's literally just a t-shirt, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And so I, I mean I like I like the hoops I I respect the hoops as a design. Um, I think my favorite one is I for, I forget what they call it. Um, it's based uh, uh, who's it Blackburn Rovers who used to be in the Premier League a while ago would wear this. It was actually mm. a quartered shirt, so it's actually like a, uh, a blue and white squares, 
uh, you know, like a, a blue in the upper oh, left okay. and bottom right, and a white in the upper left right. and bottom right. Or, like a you know, they, but yeah, large. but it was just, yeah. but just the four big squares. I mean, it's 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 one of those. It just yeah. it's something different to look at. You know, oh, another sure. red, another white, another blue. And stripes. I'll actually, I'll give Crystal Palace some credit. I liked their away jersey that they were wearing um, in the match yesterday. It was like all black with a diagonal um, blue and red stripe that went from like mm. the shoulder to the opposite hip. I thought that was a pretty cool look, like in, incorporating yeah. their colors, but with the black background. I thought that was pretty cool. I liked that. Yeah, there's there's is pretty solid. They're the uh, they're the they're red and blue stripes. Um, they are they are as we've sort of talked about this they are the closest uh, representative to AFC Richmond of Ted right. Lasso fame as we talked about i mean they <laughs> yep. their Richmond Richmond's home field is actually Selhurst Park where Palace plays um right so i mean yeah i, I but yeah and and you'll find this especially as we get towards the end of the season and then into the next season as teams start to release their kits for next year there's a there's a fashion element to it and sort of like what do you like what do you not like oh I like this this is cool ah this isn't good I see what they did it's mm-hmm. kind of a fun sort of subplot that comes in that oh, yeah. that part of the season because again they're they're all just t-shirts so yeah. uh, um, I'm all there for all just that, t-shirts. definitely <laughs> so a hypothetical that occurred to me that I was just wondering about because it's again you know I'm just still always trying to find all the ways around the different rules in the game so one thing that I was curious about is the short version is can a backwards pass away from the goal you're trying to score into be offside? So a player dribbles past the last defender, and let's say another player is alongside him and slightly behind him, but they're both mm-hmm. between the keeper and the last defender. If he passes backwards to someone who's alongside him, basically, but still in an offside position, if he's passing backwards, is that still considered offsides? I imagine yes. I just wanted to kind of confirm. Uh, no, that's not offside uh, because the ball. Ah. It's part of it is where the ball is positioned when the pass is made. So in the fact oh, that the, so ball the ball is has passed, to be starting in an onside position, right? As long as the ball, the ball is okay. always the ball itself is always onside. Right. Uh, it's it's so if you if the ball is to been taken past the last defender, then it's it's it, it's onside. In fact, you'll see that a lot. What gotcha. a lot of teams will do. City does this a lot. Arsenal's trying to do it. They call it a cutback, where you'll see them dribble to the line, the goal line, and then cut the ball across the box. Hopefully, you have a runner coming in to to sort of finish the play. And that's a yeah. um, that's that's a uh, you see a lot of that. Arsenal's trying to do a lot of that. It's, sometimes it's hard to tell about being on or offside there, in part because. You know, defenders are coming back and the box gets so crowded, but that's what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So, that yeah, no, that, okay, the, cool. yeah, Glad the I ball, asked. the ball cannot be offside. Right. Okay, cool. So next, it occurred to me, so in the first leg, I heard the commentators mentioned something about the the on-field official in passing that he was German, right? And I'm thinking, oh, so we've got a German ref. We're an English team, and we're playing a Portuguese team. What language do they speak to the referee in that circumstance? Does UEFA standardize on English, or is it match by match? Are are the refs at least expected to know English? Like, how does that work? I'll be honest. I don't know if it's quite official like i'm i wonder if there may or may not be rules for that sort of thing but my suspicion is a lot of it's conducted in english because i think that's the most common language you'll get across europe right um 
so I think that's what's going on there. I don't know that there are rules in particular for that. Maybe there are. Maybe it's custom. I mean, the, the one rule they do have, though, is that the referee cannot be from one of the countries involved. So we were never going to get a Portuguese right. or an English ref for this one. In fact, our two the, uh there was the guy from the, the German did the first leg, and then we had uh, Antonio Mateo Lajos, a Spaniard, did the second leg. He is... Um, He's actually most well-known, or recently well-known, he was the referee for the uh, Netherlands-Argentina quarterfinal at the World Cup. Um, oh, okay. Which was a... Uh, there were a lot of thoughts about his officiating in that game. I think we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the details. I do remember watching that match, but yeah. Yeah, that was him. So uh, Okay. Adjust your opinion of what happened in our <laughs> game accordingly, I guess is the way to say it. Right. Yeah. All right. So uh, one last specific question. Uh, the commentators mentioned something about sporting having just played against Tottenham in the Champions League. That rang a bell like you had mentioned something before about certain teams that don't do well in the Champions League then kind of getting relegated to the Europa League or something like that. Can you clarify what what's, what happened there? Yeah, so a, as they go through... The, so if you look at the full stretch of the Champions League, officially it, it quote-unquote, begins uh, with the group stage, which begins in right. September. But if you actually look, if you there actually are... There are five rounds of qualifying playoffs that start... The, the group stage starts in September. The qualifying playoffs start back in the summer in, like, July. And that's where you get a lot of the champions of really small leagues, Iceland, Estonia, San Marino, Andorra, Lithuania, like these, these clubs, um, actually I'm just looking through here. Uh, our, our our old pals, Bodo Glimt actually started in the first qualifying (laughs) round of the champions league. Um, okay. And as you go through these different qualifying rounds, teams that are eliminated will drop down into various qualifying paths in the Europa league. Uh, that okay. carries up through the group stage. Now, in the groups, and you'll see this next year when we're in the Champions League. I think it, this is, it's still holding this format for next year. We'll have four teams in a group, just like the Europa League. The top two will advance to the knockout stages. The third-place finisher will actually drop to the Europa League. So what we okay. saw is Sporting was in the group with Tottenham. Uh, in the group stage. It was them, I'm looking this up, Eintracht, Frankfurt, and Marseille. Uh, Tottenham won the group. The two of them played twice. Sporting beat Tottenham in Lisbon and drew them in London. And then they, but Tottenham won the group. Sporting finished in third. And so they were dropped down to the Europa League. Now, when they came to the Europa League, uh, the Europa League third place teams were drawn against the group runners-up. So we avoided... That was the last round of the knockout. So we actually avoided that. Um, right. And in fact, sport, you know, Sporting beat a Danish side, uh, Midtjylland? Midtjylland? I don't actually know how to pronounce that. Um, but you <laughs> saw that Manchester United was finished second in their group. They got drawn against Barcelona, who had dropped down from the Champions League. Um they ended up beating Barcelona, right. but um, yeah, so we 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 were a bit unfortunate in that we drew a Champions League team in Sporting, uh, but I mean that's yeah. the way it goes. Sometimes um, we got to avoid because we won our group. We got to avoid that first knockout round, which was which was nice. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's how that's how sporting was able to do that. Now they stopped doing that once you hit the knockout stages. It, once you once you lose at this point, you're done. So that goes for us. Right. That goes for uh, the Champions League teams as well. And we should actually also add just to maybe preempt a question within the Europa League. The teams that finished in third place in the groups were knocked down to the Europa Conference League and actually involved oh, in their were. knockout stages. Okay. I mean, the real part yeah, of the reason cool. is to keep some of the big... Just a, All of this is about making sure the big European teams are still in there because that's who people watch. That's where the money comes from. And so, mm-hmm. you know, but Barcelona really shouldn't be in the Europa League. But people love watching Barcelona, so if we can get them in the Europa League... Right. And oh, look at that! They drew right. Manchester United, a game that literally a billion people around the world are going to watch. So... Right. Um, so, with the qualifying rounds, the teams that play their... What, they're from leagues that don't have a guaranteed spot like the bigger leagues do? Is that what it is? Yeah, pretty much. And it's... There's a, there's a complicated element to this, and there's a simple element to this. Um... Basically, certain leagues, the top leagues, um, Spain, Germany, England, Italy, get a bunch of guaranteed spots. France gets a couple. Portugal, the Netherlands, Belgium, Austria, uh, Scotland, and look like Ukraine uh, got ones. And it's based on they have a they call it a coefficient. So there's a ranking given to each league based on how well their teams have done. Uh, in the in European competitions over the previous few years is how many teams they get into the, each tournament or into the tournament at different stages. And there's all sorts of, I mean, honestly, the best play, way to point you to is the Wikipedia page, which actually I think breaks it down in a way that's pretty, it, it, as straightforward as it can be, uh, but actually breaks it down okay. in a way that I've, I've always found very easy to sort of, uh, it's very easy for me to understand. Um all right, we'll send that along, and I'll include it. In the, excuse me, I'll include it. In right, the and so and so, yeah, you'll see that, and you'll sort of see this a little bit next year. Now, at the top four teams in England, all automatically qualify for the group stage. So we are going to be right if we're in the Champions League. We are in the group stage. Um, that right. used to not be the case. You flash back about twelve, you know, ten, twelve years ago, Arsenal was sometimes squeaking into the Champions League as the fourth place team, and we would actually have mm. to play a playoff round in August, two legs against a team from Greece or Turkey or somewhere like that. We'd have to win that to get into the group stage. We always did. We were never really threatened in those games, but still, it was in a couple mm. extra games you had to play to move on to the next round. Right. Yeah. Cool. So uh, I think I'll save my last question for next week. It's not a particularly timely question anyways, and it might take a little bit. But cool. So uh, what's going on for next week? So next week is the international break. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody's going to take off. They're going The national teams are going to play a bunch of games. Uh, the U.S. is in the CONCACAF Nations League, which is a tournament we don't have time to describe, but they're going to be playing <laughs> Grenada and El Salvador. Uh, so let's, let's hope that goes well. Um, it, it's kind of nice for Arsenal, actually. We are not uh, – a lot of our a lot of our bigger names did not get called up to the national teams. None of the Brazilians did. Um, Bukayo Saka did. He's probably going to play two full games, which is a little disappointing, but it's fine. Um, you <laughs> know, there no Arsenal games. A few of them are away. And then Arsenal is back next week on April 1st on Saturday. We're going to play Leeds. And so that and this is it. This is the last break in the season. So after this, it is there. It is 
April, April through May. Uh, we have April 1st against Leeds, and our last game is May 28th against Wolves. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny. They were saying our last game is against Wolves, and uh, Manchester City's last game was against, like, Bournemouth or something like that, I think. Yes, and we'll talk about this a little bit as we get closer to... Uh, as we get closer to the end of the season and, ha- you know, the, as we start comparing the run-ins uh, to teams that they have going in, it gets a little interesting um, sort of how those all set up and who plays who, and uh, especially to the end of the season, uh, how that you, how that starts to look and how it can manufacture some drama depending on where you are in the season, or alternately not. It might not manufacture any drama at all. I mean, it's entirely possible. The, I, <laughs> the league is not going to be decided before mid-May at the earliest, I don't I don't think. Um, you could go into that last game with everything having been decided. You could go into that last game with everything up for grabs. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it's, 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 it really, it's really just two months left. I'm sort of... I'm looking at I'm just looking at our schedule. We are all weekend games except one. We have one midweek game the rest of the season, and it's April 26th at Manchester City. So, yeah. <laughs> and you know the Premier League is absolutely kicking them. So going really that game is the middle of the week. Come on, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Fire their scheduling person. <laughs> uh, wow. Anyway, yeah. But. You didn't know. You didn't know at the beginning of the season how the season was going to shape up for Arsenal. So. Yeah, the very few people yeah. thought this was possible. Arsenal thought it was possible the way the players thought. Right. Some of them, they they believed early on. So you know they deserve it. They deserve yeah. our belief. I think we said last time. Yep. Back to Ted Lasso, which I I have not watched the premiere of yet. Um, I'm I'm anxiously uh, anticipating my chance to get the family together to watch that, but. Uh, Maybe we'll do some bonus episodes once you're able to catch up on it at the end of a season. So we'll yeah, it's gonna have goes. to. We're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna. Ha- we're gonna have to wait on that. So. Uh, yep. So no spoilers. <laughs> no, 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 never from me. You don't have to worry <laughs> about me. <laughs> Thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. If you want to listen the night we record, you can become a Gooner U superfan to download a raw, unedited recording right away. Start a free trial on Apple Podcasts today. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Adios. I'm not new guy next.